Chapter Four of Benjamin Franklin by Robin McCown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Civic-Minded Citizen. There were two children in the Franklin family now. The first was William, the other Francis Folger, whom the father called Frankie. He was proud of his sons. He had reason to want to be a good example to them. One day he drew up a list of thirteen virtues, as follows. Temperance. Eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. Silence. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Order. Resolution. Perform without fail what you resolve. Frugality. Industry. Sincerity. Justice. Wrong none by doing injuries. Moderation. Cleanliness. Tranquility. Chastity. Humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. Franklin's ambitious project was to try to achieve all these virtues, thus to approach as near as possible moral perfection. This was no New Year's resolution to be lightly made and quickly forgotten. He purchased a small notebook, ruled the pages with red ink, making seven vertical columns, one for each day of the week, and thirteen horizontal columns, one for each virtue each time he felt he had failed to practice one of his virtues he made a black mark in the proper square thus if he put a cross in the tuesday column opposite silence he judged he had that day talked too much about trivial matters the thirteenth virtue humility suggested by a quaker friend was a check on the others if he was proud of his mastery over any of his virtues he would be lacking in humility he kept this notebook regularly for a long time. The virtue which gave him most trouble was order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. Eventually, he had to decide that he was not an orderly person and never would be. Nor did he ever claim that he achieved anywhere near moral perfection in any of the others although he did give credit years later to his daily discipline for the constant felicity of my life it is unlikely that in any other part of the world a grown and prospering business man would have resolved to make himself more virtuous with all the diligence of a schoolboy attacking a problem in arithmetic his act was typically american the colonies were young and growing and pliable not old and set in their ways like the european nations young countries like young people harbor the seeds of idealism yearnings for greatness deep-rooted desires to be better in any or every sphere of activity than their predecessors or contemporaries the youthful spirit that was part and parcel of america remained with benjamin franklin to the end of his days he was always trying to enlarge his mental horizons for that aim he taught himself french italian spanish and german not yet dreaming that he would ever have practical use for these languages he was at the same time widening his business activities starting a branch of his printing shop in charleston south carolina on a partnership arrangement it was the first of many branches in seventeen thirty three after an absence of ten years he went back to boston to see his family his parents were well but there were some sad changes four of his sisters and one of his brothers had died 
jane his beautiful young sister closer to him than any one else in the family had been married for six years to a saddler named edward meekham and had two boys but her husband was in poor health and her children were also sickly tragedy had cast its first shadow over her she would in the years to come lose her husband and twelve children two of them dying insane as the result of some unknown inherited sickness james was living in newport and on his way back to philadelphia franklin paid this older brother a visit their reunion was cordial and old differences were ignored if not forgotten james too was sick and knew that death was not far away his former apprentice promised to take care of james's son and teach him the printing business when james died two years later franklin sent the boy to school for five years and then took him into his home as an apprentice thus making james ample amends for the service i had deprived him of by leaving so early all his life he would be giving aid jobs partnerships loans gifts and less welcome advice to his family his in-laws his nieces nephews friends and children of friends the assistance was sometimes unappreciated and seldom rewarded it played havoc with virtue number four frugality nor as he had omitted the virtue of generosity from his list did he ever give himself any good marks for such services sorrow struck him personally on november twenty first seventeen thirty six when francis folger a grave and sweet-faced lad of four died of smallpox in the midst of his terrible grief franklin refuted a false rumor it was not true he wrote in the gazette that his boy had died as the result of smallpox inoculation had he been inoculated his life might have been spared he felt it important that his readers should know that he considered inoculation a safe and beneficial practice the year of his son's death he was appointed clerk to the pennsylvania assembly and the following year he was made postmaster of philadelphia these were his first official positions and there was pay and prestige attached to both what matter if the assembly sessions were so tedious he worked out mathematical puzzles to keep himself awake and that his home on high street now housed the city post office in addition to the franklins various relatives of both of them for varying lengths of times servants apprentices and on occasion journeymen who had no other lodgings he had six of these workmen now including a swede and a german which made it possible to print in those languages they were all kept busy he was public printer for delaware new jersey and maryland besides the almanac and the gazette a number of books were coming off the high street presses cato's moral distichs the constitution of the freemasons the first masonic book printed in america cadwallader colden's an explication of the first causes of motion in matter and richardson's pamela the first novel printed in america their stationer's shop now sold books as well as an astounding range of miscellany goose quills chocolate cordials cheese codfish compasses scarlet broadcloth four-wheel chases seneca rattlesnake root with directions on how to use it for pleurisy ointments and salves for the itch and other ailments made by the widow reed debbie's mother and fine green crown soap 
unique in the colonies produced by franklin's brothers john and peter who had learned the secret of its composition from their father in all this hustle and bustle franklin reigned as instigator and executor he was a little heavier his brown hair somewhat thinner his face more mature and his manner more calm and assured but in his eyes was the same merriment of the boston youth around the house and shop he dressed in working clothes red flannel shirt leather breeches and his old leather apron for meetings of the masons or for dinners with prominent philadelphians who were now demanding his company he had more elegant attire on such occasions he might wear his best black cloth breeches velvet jacket a holland shirt with ruffles at the wrist and neck calfskin shoes high-quality worsted stockings and a fashionable wig debbie never accompanied him to such affairs nor would she have been comfortable if she had done so the years of their marriage had put a wider social and intellectual gap between them while franklin had cultivated his mental powers and learned to speak as an equal to any one she was the same debbie he had married grown older and plumper her voice was still rough her language uncouth her manners hearty and her taste in clothes flamboyant he never tried to change her he appreciated her loyalty her industry her warm heart and asked for nothing more my plain country joan he called her in a ballad he wrote and sang for the members of the junto of their chloe's and phyllis's poets may prate i sing my plain country joan these twelve years my wife still the joy of my life blessed day that i made her my own as for debbie had any one told her that her husband would one day be among the most famous men in the world she would have laughed in his face not her pappy as she always called him not that he wasn't the best of husbands a good provider and really handy at doing things around the house she must have clapped her hands in delight at the stove he set up in their common room in seventeen forty houses then were mostly heated by fireplaces large or small they had in common that one was scorched on approaching the fire too closely and chilled at the far side of the room it was impossible for a woman to sit by the window to sew on a winter day her fingers would be too stiff with cold to hold a needle it was taken for granted that every one had colds during the winter months especially the women who of necessity were indoors more than the men there was the problem of smoke too with the usual fireplace most of the smoke came into the room instead of going up the chimney blackening curtains and spreading soot everywhere franklin's pennsylvania fireplace later called the franklin stove was made of cast iron could be taken apart and moved easily from room to room it spread no smoke and most amazingly heated the entire room in almost equal temperature debbie's sole complaint about her husband had to do with the way he spoiled his son william ever since the death of little frankie he humored the boy to excess william had a string of private schoolmasters one of them decamped with franklin's wardrobe when william was nine he had his own pony like the sons of the rich whatever the boy wanted he managed to wangle from his indulgent father the greatest villain on earth debbie once called this clever lad the two of them never did get along 
even william had to take second place after their first and only daughter sarah was born in seventeen forty three sarah would bring to her father joy and comfort to modify the pain caused by his son he was busy that year with a new project in may he issued a circular letter headed proposal for promoting useful knowledge among the british plantations in north america which he mailed to men of learning throughout the colonies now that the drudgery of settling was over he wrote the time had come to cultivate the finer arts and improve the common stock for this purpose he proposed formation of an organization whose members through meeting or by correspondence would exchange information on all new scientific discoveries or inventions and he offered his own services as secretary till they shall be provided with one more capable from this letter grew the american philosophical society which came into being the following year the words philosophical and scientific were then used as synonyms its activities were parallel to those of the famous royal society in london one of franklin's first contributions to the new society was a paper on his pennsylvania fireplace which he and debbie had been enjoying several years including diagrams and instructions on how to install it he refused to patent his invention as we enjoy great advantages from the inventions of others we should be glad of an opportunity to serve others by any invention of ours also in seventeen forty three he printed his proposal relating to the education of youth in pennsylvania a pamphlet suggesting an academy of learning to match yale harvard and william and mary college at williamsburg he launched this plan not as his own but as coming from some public-spirited gentlemen a tactical approach he had figured out to be more effective than using his own name the academy he wrote should be not far from a river having a garden orchard meadow and a field or two it should have a library the students youths from eight to sixteen should diet together plainly temperately and frugally they should be trained in running leaping wrestling and swimming subjects studied should be those things that are likely to be most useful and most ornamental all should be taught to write a fair hand and to learn drawing a universal language understood by all nations they should learn grammar with addison pope and cato's letters as models he stressed the importance of elocution pronouncing properly distinctly emphatically the curriculum should include mathematics astronomy history geography ancient customs morality but not latin and greek unless a student had an ardent desire to learn them franklin's ideal and surprisingly modern academy was also to teach practical matters invention manufactures trade mechanics that art by which weak men perform such wonders planting and grafting there should be now and then excursions made to the neighboring plantations of the best farmers their methods observed and reasoned upon for the information of youth this proposal was the genesis of the university of pennsylvania which in six years time seventeen forty nine became a reality franklin was elected first president a post he held seven years philadelphia had as yet no regular police force its dark and narrow streets were in theory guarded by the local citizens 
appointed in rotation by the ward constables often citizens preferred to pay the six shillings required to hire a substitute money which might be dissipated in drink leaving streets unguarded or to pay the very ruffians against whom protection was needed to abolish such abuses franklin persuaded his junto members to campaign for a paid police force which was voted a few years later also through the junto he called public attention to philadelphia's fire hazards and means of avoiding them from this effort came the union fire company the first organized firemen in the colonies subsequently he was responsible for the first fire insurance company in the colonies since seventeen thirty nine england had been at war with spain and in seventeen forty four war with france erupted the struggle involved the colonies when in july seventeen forty seven french and spanish privateers plundered two plantations on the delaware river a little below newcastle there were rumors of a french plan to sack philadelphia the city had no defenses the quaker-dominated assembly had refused to vote money for war purposes seeing danger threatened franklin published plain truth a pamphlet which succeeded in convincing even the quakers of the need for preparedness under his leadership pennsylvania's first volunteer militia with some ten thousand members was formed he was offered the post of colonel in the philadelphia branch he declined preferring to serve as a common soldier william now sixteen was also in service not in the militia but in a company raised by the british for a campaign against french canada in seventeen forty eight france spain and england settled their difficulties temporarily in the peace treaty of the aix-la-chapelle for the time being the colonies were free from danger of invasion or attack at last the franklin family could return to normal life he was forty-two and by the standards of the time a rich man since his income was sufficient for his needs he made up his mind to retire a fellow printer named david hall took over the management of his printing shop franklin moved to a quiet part of town at race and second streets and bought a three hundred acre farm in burlington new jersey where he could practice the art of a gentleman farmer it was time he believed to devote the remaining years of his life to his friends to his writing to the pursuit of learning particularly a branch of learning that had occupied his attention on and off for the past several years the study of electricity End of chapter four